This is a new state, I try to get right. This is a new state, I get on track. Yeah, that's life in football. This is a new state, I live your life. This is a new state, I try to get right. This is a new state, I get on track. Yeah, that's life in football. It's life in football. We are life in football. Welcome to the Life and Football Podcast, baby. I'm your host, Mike Fee. And this is your co-host, Colin Moore. You know we loving life and enjoying football. Top-notch players all around the world. Top, top-notch players all around the world. Today, our very special guest is Jay Jackson Williams. He one of the best offensive tigers in the country. Matter of fact, offensive linemen in the country. He played at FAMU, played at Florida State. Juco ball, coming straight out of California. And what I liked about him when I saw him at the game, he was handling business, man. Looking like a giant out there, but he had the footwork to match. And when you're dealing with a player of this caliber, he got a lot of talent and a lot of potential. Now, he's going to be in this upcoming draft. I want somebody please to bring him in because he got a lot of talent and a lot more information we about to find out. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let C-Mo bring him on. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Good, man. It's a blessing to have you on, man. It's a blessing to be here, man. Appreciate it. Now, Mike said you're from Cali. You over all the way over here in Florida, man. So how did that end up happening? Oh, man, like, um, it was a long journey. First of all, I started off as a wide receiver in high school and had to grow and then start like that. And then um, by my senior year, I ended up being a walk-on at San Diego State. And that following spring, they had cut a bunch of walk-ons, and they told us we'd come back in the fall you know, to get back on the team. But I didn't want that for myself, so I went to junior college at uh, Grossmont Community College in mm-hmm. El Cajon, California. Uh, played a year of defensive line there. Uh, next season, I tried to move to tight end. And it hit a growth spurt when I turned 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was of just background that. My dad played at Long Beach State and ended up playing at Louisville, offensive lineman. And so he always told me I was going to end up being as big as him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe him until I turned 20. And I grew about two inches, about 30, 40 pounds. And I was out there one day, uh, spring ball during seven on seven. And I had a coach from Nevada come up to my head coach and asked who I was. And he explained it to him. Yeah, he's a bounce back and stuff like that. And all of a sudden he's like, dude, he looks like an offensive lineman. And uh, he went over there and talked to me for a bit. You know, told me at least to give it a try and, you know, make that switch. And it was one of the best things of my life. And going through that and recruiting through that season, I was a top 10 guy in the country through the offensive line. And I ended up choosing Florida State in 2018. Mm-hmm. And that's really how I ended up out here. You know, I had never left California in my 21 years out there. And, you know, coming out here to Tallahassee, you know, the really culture shock experience. So I really love the South. Yeah. Now, with you being over here and you at Florida State, but you also got to be at FAM too, man. So how did the Florida State go and to actually get you at FAM as well? Um, so I, when I got to Florida State, you know, I was for Swilly Taggart's second recruiting class, and, you know, they really had him on a hot seat. And so we started that season, and we went through it, and I didn't get to play until after he was fired. Mm. And I got some more playing time and stuff like that. And then he brought in Coach Norvell. And who I love and Coach Atkins and stuff like that, you know, they taught me a lot mentally of the game. You know, during COVID, you know, we had to sit through meetings and stuff like that and mm-hmm. really learn the game like coaches and stuff. And so um, I went through camp with them. I had some COVID issues and stuff like that. And so I took a step back mm-hmm. and um, 
ultimately decided to leave the program and just look for a better opportunity. Right. And um, which ultimately led me to FAMU and signing with them in twenty nine in twenty twenty. Okay. And when you got the fam, you did what you had to do, and now it's pretty much you almost at that promised land that you waiting on, man. How your training been going? It's been going good. You know, I could have went to one of those big facilities somewhere in Dallas, somewhere out there in Georgia, but um, there's a guy that played 10 years at FAMU and Wally Williams, and mm. he's a local Tallahassee guy, mm. and he trains guys through OLP with a Charles Bentley, and I spent since December 6th to today working out with Wally mm. and stuff like that, doing a, the OLP performance program and stuff like that, and put on 25 pounds of muscle from the season to pro day and stuff and so right now is different working out than pro day because right now you're trying to maintain and condition mm. and stuff like that for camp and so you're right. trying to make sure you don't get hurt mm. and so um right now it's just like i said just maintaining stuff and um trying to stretch and stay in shape get ready for camp yeah now i want to know how was it for you growing up talk about your family dynamics like your mom dad or you know who helped you to become the person that you are today um, it, it, it's really been a lot of people, but, you know, I got to first off start off with my parents. You know, my father, like I said, is an offensive lineman mm-hmm. all his life. You know, he played at the Long Beach State and the University of Louisville. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately didn't get a chance at the league. Um, my mother is a very strong woman. Um, she was a cheerleader, you know, and um, she's really been a very supportive and a backbone of the family. Um, I have a sister. She played D2 basketball, and she's just finished up law school and um, – most importantly, you know, I'd have to give a lot of it to my grandparents. Mm. Growing up, you know, my both my parents are educators. My mom's an assistant principal. My dad's a PE teacher and a head coach. Yeah. And so um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Mm. You know, I was one of those kids that I got dropped off in the morning, and some nights I'd fall asleep there but wake up at home. Yeah. You know, and they taught me a lot of things, you know, just about life and just, you know, just everything, things that you need to learn to be a good adult. And so I owe a lot of it to them, you know. Unfortunately, they're not here anymore and stuff, but I wouldn't be the man I am today without them. Mm-hmm. And that's great to hear, man, because my grandparents did a lot for me, too, you know. And, you know, especially when you got that family back in, you know, like my mom, you know, she did a lot, too. And it, it plays a special part because, you know, you need your family. And a lot of times that kind of get lost when you out there playing, you know, because you're so dedicated looking at the work and this and that. But you still got that backbone there to help you. Now, I want to know from you, how was it playing in that legacy bowl? You know, because like I, like I told you earlier, they treated y'all with first class, man. I love what I seen from the practice uniform to the game time. So how was it um, participating in that? Those six days were a blessing and a great opportunity, you know, not just with the practices, but also to be able to experience New Orleans and do the career fairs and all that stuff and meet all these guys like Steve Weiss and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And but to be out there for six days with some of the best guys in the SWAC, you know, all not just the SWAC, I'm sorry, but the MEAC and all the other conferences right. and just HBCU schools, you know, that was that was definitely an eye opener, you know, just to see how much talent's out there. You know, mm-hmm. it sucks that they label it FCS, HBCU, a- FBS, Power Five, Group right. Five. You know, these guys can play. You know, we just like I've said before, you know. We all put our pads on the same way. Exactly. It's different. Exactly. You know, but once we get between them lines, it's a different story. Game on. You know, and there, there's some guys that, that it was amazing because you can't really tell who was D1, who's D2, who's mm. this or that. You know, we just name a jersey. Put the ball on, let's play. And that's really what it was. And it was a lot of fun, you know, to get out there and stuff like that and talk to guys, you know. 
talk a little mess yeah. here and there, you know, Jackson State guys, you know, and the, the Bethune guys, you know, this is first year families wouldn't say anything to them. Right, right. So, you know, <laughs> so, you know we got we got to have a lot of fun out there and stuff like that. So it was a great opportunity. Now that Bowie State running back we had on the podcast and he was in the game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that guy definitely was moving. Yeah, yeah. To see some of the guys and like you, you played against a bunch of them, but some mm-hmm. of the, the guys you heard about and stuff like that, you know, it's kind of funny. We we're in a huddle and um, one of the Grambling guys, no kill glass, walked into the huddle and he just looked at everybody. He's like, "Hey guys, hey look, we're, we're in a huddle with a kill glass." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Bro, chill, chill." Yeah, yeah. So now big see, time QB. Now see, I also too, man. Like with you coming, see, you was at Florida State, correct, and. That's a big time environment. You know, you got a lot of things going on for with the fan base and everything. I want to know, like, what you expected before you got the fam, and then once you got there, how was it for you? Cause I I was at some of the fan games this year, and I'm gonna tell you, see, I played at Alabama State, and I gotta tell you, I was hating a little bit, man. I was hating cause the fan base rock. I ain't never seen the whole the whole crowd rocking like the whole the, with the little DJ coming in and he saying that stuff. They playing music. They got their own dance. Like I really love that. But I want to know from you, like how was it for you? You know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I um when I was at Florida State, we played Alabama State and they brought their band, so I got a little taste of what was gonna go on. But you know, I didn't really understand what I was, I was getting myself into until I got to the spring game, one of my first year at FAMU. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, shout out DJ Loose Kid, you know. <laughs> that's my guy right there. And um, spring game, they got the band, and they got him. Right. You know, so you got best, best of both going on at the same mean. time and stuff like that. And and I remember when we were playing Alabama State, you know, there, I guess there was some media issue or whatever, so mm-hmm. it would take like two, three minutes out of the game just as like we're just sitting there. Right. And they're playing music, and you see all the guys in the stands dancing, and I'm looking around on the sideline. I'm seeing the guys on the team dancing, and I'm just like, I've never seen this before. Right. Like, this is incredible. You know, and just hearing the band, like, I love the March 100. I'm a big fan. Yeah. You know, I, I go to games just so if if they're there. Like, oh, the March 100, I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, um, it was an experience, you know, like I said, I played at Florida State, I played at San Diego State, I mean, you know, I've had the 40,000, 80,000 people, crowds and stuff like that, and, but it was just different at Bradley Memorial Stadium, it just, it felt different, it just, it looked different, it was, it was just an experience that I never had before, and I loved it. I do too when I see it, now <laughs> every my, time I see it. This is my last question for you, How? what's your thoughts on Coach Simmons, he been doing a great job over there. And I know he was probably one of the reasons why you went to FAM. Could you speak on him and uh, the environment that FAM has created over there? Uh, I will say, you know, Coach Simmons, you know, gave me a op- another opportunity I needed to get to the next level. And just seeing how he works, you know, how he treats others and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And just how the the team is just behind him no matter what. Right. You know, we lost that game in Jackson State. And, you know, he was real short and simple about it the next day in our team meeting. He said, you guys are going to buy in or you guys aren't. Right. And I never saw a locker room of, of guys that bought in fully, whole team bought in. And I've been places where guys go into a locker room, they want to whine and complain and mm-hmm. this, this, and that. And then you don't hear that around FAMU. You got, you got a locker room full of guys that believe in their head coach and they want to work. And, you know, he's an open door guy. You know, he likes to walk around, show off his J's and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> you know, you can come to him about anything, everything. If you have a problem, you can call that man anytime during the day, anytime during the night. He'll pick up, you know. And I appreciate Coach Simmons for everything that he's done for me, you know. Me and him got to talk a little bit more at the Legacy Bowl. You know, some days on the bus he sat in the 
back with some of the players, mm. talk and hang out with them. And, you know, I feel like he's the type of coach that, you know, if, if FAMU doesn't keep him around, you know, he's a guy that's going to be at the Power 5 level at some point. Big time. Yeah, head coach, not just yeah. not just position coach. Me and Mike talk about that, too. Like, he's special. He got it. He know he got it. Fam know he got it. They got to do everything they can to keep him. The one thing I not saying say, he's going nowhere, but I'm just saying. Yeah, one thing I forgot <laughs> to say, if you look at it during COVID, you know, FAMU didn't play in the fall or the spring. But you could look across the country how many guys were just transferring and leaving schools. Mm-hmm. I don't really think anybody left family no. during that time period. No. You know, no one left. No, I think, I think it maybe was one person. I think that was a quarterback uh-huh. um, that came from Kansas. But other than that, I don't even want to know. You're right. Yeah, no I didn't even left. think about it like that. You're right. Everybody yeah, stayed and bought culture. in. You don't, even see, you don't even see nobody trying to transfer from, from that now. Yeah, you barely. Know. I think I've only seen maybe like one or two guys. Yeah, and that's amazing, though. Yeah, you yeah. got some schools where you got at least 20 people left probably like the last two years. Right, yeah. right. You know? Well, I'm going to leave y'all how I always leave y'all, man. But that was Mr. J. Jackson Williams, offensive line for FAMU. And he's going to be a professional player. I'm telling y'all, man. He got the footwork. He got the size. He got the determination. And I'm going to leave y'all how I always leave y'all. Keep your head up. And not down, I'll issue a fall to the ground. This is Life of Football Podcast. Catch you next time. This is a new day to live your life. This is a new day to try to get right. This is a new day to get on track. Yeah, that's life in football. This is a new day to live your life. This is a new day to try to get right. This is a new day to get on track. Yeah, that's life in football. It's life in football. We are life in football.